1: Walk down the winding path. Don't mind the spooks and monsters. They stay hidden within the trees. There are mysteries in this world that you need to know, and paranormal truths that need to be told. Come, step up into the caravan, where we share tales of old as well as new accounts about things you thought only existed in your nightmares.
0: Tonight, I am going to do a solo interview with someone you may have heard of, but you don't know enough about, and that is Lady Anne from The (laughs) Caravan. I was thinking that, you know, when you brought me on last year, which Mm -hmm. not quite a year yet, but we're getting close, you did an intro episode for me so that people would know who in the world is this. I think that you need an episode. That is Aww. about Lady Anne because why would we not have that? Like, there's so much <laughs> about you that I feel like we don't get to talk about on the show. Things that you and I have talked about in private messages and so on. Mm-hmm. And when you came here in person, I feel like our listeners should know about you. Thank you. Yeah, it'll help people understand the creation of the caravan, mm-hmm. what drives Aww. you to have this. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. <laughs> you have had extraordinary experiences whether it's supernatural paranormal like metaphysical type stuff since you were mm-hmm. a girl correct yes like this is not new to you
1: right no it's definitely not new you know it's funny because recently on some of the interviews that I've done I've asked people what is your first magical memory and and I'm really loving asking people that and yeah. for me I guess my first one is I remember I know that I couldn't speak yet. So I had to be between, I was like a year old, between one and two. And my father had just recently gotten custody of me. I lived with my mom up until about that time. And then my dad had custody. And then he had dropped me off at the babysitters. She had this big, beautiful, and this is somewhere that I would end up going. She was our neighbor. She only lived a couple houses down. And I would know her for the rest of my life. Well, I remember being sat down by this big patio window, sliding glass patio window. Beyond it, there was these farm fields and the farm fields kind of went down and rolled and there's this big marshland that was all full of water and the sun was rising. So there's all those beautiful, bright, burnt oranges and yellows and a little bit of the pink, you know, and it was just beautiful and it shined within the water. And I remember sitting there and I looked out and I don't know what clicked or what it was, but I remember sitting there going, wow, I came back. It was,
0: (laughs) it was a really
1: intense moment for me.
0: goes back to discussion of children having memories when they're young of previous lives, like knowledge of having been here before. Not all Mm -hmm. of them, but some of them have these stories. That's what that reminds me of. You just had this knowing of I'm back. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. And you've <laughs> said before to me that it sounds like from some of the stories that you've told me that your dad did not discourage any type of discussion when it came to the paranormal or the unusual. You actually, you weren't shut down in that process. Like some kids may be when they're young.
1: You know, it it was a little bit. <laughs> so no, things were never discouraged you know, I remember talking to my grandfather. So I grew up with my grandparents and my dad. Mm-hmm. And I loved all things paranormal. I remember sitting there during the afternoon watching hours and hours worth of Houdini documentaries. And Ooh, wow. it was, you know, Houdini was great. And, and I loved that. But it was the spiritualist side of it after he died and his wife trying to contact him and and that whole spiritualist movement with the seances that I was so fascinated in and I remember talking to my grandfather and I was like well you know do you guys believe in ghosts and when you die will you come back and and say goodbye to me and quite the strange thing for this little had to have been like seven and I walked up Grandpa, will you say hi after you die to me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> You know, but they, they said yes, and it was my grandfather who told me the very first ghost story that I ever heard. He was laying in bed and his mother had just died, and I remember this, because I was, you know, I was alive when Grandma Francis died. She had passed away and he's laying there and he sees the a figure of her of his bed and this feeling came over him of peace like there was no other emotion there was no other feeling except for like just this radiation of peace and love and that goodbye right so he always believed in in these things my dad He never really went into any ghost stories or anything. He actually was much more into the extraterrestrial stuff. he would tell me all about how easy it was to recognize the ufo versus a satellite versus an airplane versus a (laughs) meteor and and he talked it was so interesting because he would talk about it like he was talking about oh yeah well this is your white bread and your wheat bread and this over here (laughs) is your multi grain bread like yeah like it's no big deal you know
0: yeah (laughs) matter of fact
1: but yes exactly it was very matter of fact but When I would try to say things, I would kind of get laughed at a little bit. Just kind of like laugh, laugh it off. And then I just wouldn't, I wouldn't go into it too much more. I would just kind of internalize it and walk away.
0: Right. Well, that's true that that's the way that, especially when we're young, how people respond to us kind of teaches us. It kind of prepares you in a way when it's not a complete shutdown. That, in a way, was preparing you for, as you grow up and you meet other people, how to, like, suss Mm -hmm. them out. That's what I always tell my oldest. Before you start talking about this stuff, you kind of got to, you know, beat around the bush a little bit (laughs) before you just throw out there, (laughs) hey, uh, so this is
1: what we do. Right. Well, and, you know, it also did kind of put those building blocks down for me to... I am very passionate about not lying to your kids about this kind of thing. I have met a lot of people that sit there and go, oh, don't worry, honey, ghosts aren't real. Okay, what are you going to do if you've sworn up and down to your child that this stuff doesn't exist and then something legit manifests at your kids, that kid is going to be traumatized. Their reality as they know it is going to shatter. You have no idea how long that's going to affect them or how they're going to recover from it. And then they're going to feel like you lied to them.
0: Yeah. That's a really good point, especially if you're so steadfast mm-hmm. in it. That if they did have the courage to come to you and say something, just the fact right. that you would dismiss it or put it off as something else, because mm-hmm. a lot of times these sort of things can, you know, people pass them off as your imagination for kids. Or you're just, exactly you have a fever (laughs) or, you know, you're just seeing stuff. (laughs) Yes. Um, But no, that's a really good point. You said, so you were mostly around your dad and your grandparents and your grandparents have interesting roots, which I think also has influenced you over the years. Has it not?
1: Our families and on my paternal side, I became the family's genealogist. So, on my paternal side, our family was originally a small town called Alt-Arces in Bessarabia, which is now modern-day Moldova. So, we were able to go from there in America, my paternal side did. Half of our family, which was interesting, was sent to Argentina. And the other half was able to come here to America. You know, back then that pregnancy was pregnancy uh, also was one of the things that they considered like an illness that would reject you from being able to enter into America. Wow. I did not realize that. Jeez. Mm-hmm. yeah, don't quote me, I'm sure I mean, but i I really <laughs> do believe that in my research that that is one of the things that I found, and yes, half of the people got sent down to Argentina, but we were able to come here, and mm-hmm. where my family settled, where my paternal side settled, was here in Oregon, and mm-hmm. we've been here ever since. Mm-hmm. Now, my maternal grandmother, I actually recently only just found her. I would say it was about five to six years ago. And I was able to put a lot of pieces together through knowing her and her filling in, you know, who her maternal mother was and everything, because I actually come from a long line of adoptions where all the women for generations were giving up their children between the ages of one and three, and which is the same thing that happened with me. I was given to my father. In fact, if he wouldn't have taken me, I would have gone up for adoption uh, when I was Mm. a year old. So through the genealogy research on my maternal side, if I have done everything correctly, I say my findings, but I'm mm. not calling this a hard finding just because it's a big statement. <laughs> but <laughs> if, if, <laughs> if my research is correct, which I have done the DNA and I've collaborated with other people who have done trees, this would make Pocahontas my 13th great-grandmother. Oh, wow. And then... Yes. And then from her as well, I am primarily Scottish and Irish. And a lot of my family settled. They're known as the Central Appalachian Settlers. Wow. So, yeah. And they actually stayed over there for a long time, actually, until my maternal grandmother moved to Oregon. So I'm only two generations removed from being actually over there in your area.
0: Yeah. That's not a lot of time to pass for you to be removed from it. Have you noticed as you've studied a bunch of things, both for the caravan and just your own personal interests when looking into these things, have there been parts of your history that as you discover it, all of a sudden things click as to why things have, you may have been attracted to certain types of music or certain types of magic or stories or whatnot. Have you found that your ancestry weaves that in?
1: I do believe so because I've always had a very, well, number one, I always felt like I was born in the wrong time period. Number two, came across Jake Richards and that book, Backwoods Witchcraft. It was amazing to me the combination of using the Bible with witchcraft. Yes. And It is one of those things that studying the occult side of things, the Bible really is just kind of like this big spell book. It is a big grimoire. So then to see it in the way that he portrayed it and to actually be like, wow, this makes sense. I've actually naturally done some of these things. And there are certain, for example, I did a floor wash. And in the floor wash, you're using your Florida water and you're going from the back of the house to the front, to the front door. You know, you're washing it away. You're getting it out that way. But as you're doing it, you can do certain things like sing Amazing Grace and you're sitting there pushing out that negative energy and you're pulling in that positive energy and blessing your home, blessing your space. And so it's this complete combining of two totally separate beliefs. Yeah. And it felt very natural.
0: Yeah. What I really have appreciated about Jake Richards putting this information out there, and now he has the second book just came out too, that he's passing that down so that people like you and I, who didn't have somebody passing that knowledge down to us, like he mm-hmm. had been blessed to have for him, we right. still get glimpses of our ancestors through his words, which yes. kind of Also reminds me of what you have done and are doing with the caravan and KPNL, which I think we should talk about KPNL a little bit too, and that Mm -hmm. you're passing down your knowledge in real time, but also forever. Like once that's out there, it's out there.
1: Right. No, exactly. And I do. So I'm going to go back a little bit and say that I really believe that the universe put you in my life and Steve in my life because you both came in around the same time. And Mm -hmm. you both have that connection to Appalachia that this is a big part of me. That side of me is the adoption side, the side Mm -hmm. that I have never known, the side that I have searched for all my life. And through you both, I have been able to get those glimpses and those ties and learn more about who I am and where I come from. So I am beyond grateful for your presence Mm. in my life for sure
0: (laughs) yeah I'm I'm really thrilled to have met Well, have met both of you Steve and you and I was thinking the other day a a friend had asked me how we met and I was like (laughs) (laughs) I was like I messaged because I found your page on Facebook that was tarot and lace
1: I found that page
0: and I that's when I first started talking to you through there Yes. Tarot and lace. I had messaged and I'm not even sure how I found it. Like if I just was searching or if somebody had shared something. Yeah. March 7th. So just over a year ago,
1: but it'll be much later
0: by the time this comes out. March 7th, 2020 at 6.57 PM, I asked you about a reading. You had the automatic response and then Mm -hmm. within two hours or so, 941, you messaged me back. And I still didn't oh, know wow. who I was talking to. I just <laughs> knew it was. And so then we started talking, you know, I was asking you questions and you pulled cards and then we just continued to talk. And then at some point you said, well, you can message me on my personal page. Oh, and wow. then you were telling me about KPNL because yeah, you said you definitely feel familiar is what you said. And, Amazing. Um, yeah, and then we started messaging from there, and I, I would have to bring it up on my computer to go back because of the thousands of messages we have back and forth over the last year. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, That's for sure. But yeah, because KPNL was just new, because you'd start, I remember you bringing that up to me mm-hmm. that that was something that you had had in the works for quite a while. And before we go much further, can you mm-hmm. tell everybody about KPNL in case they are just caravan listeners that somehow <laughs> don't know about KPNL? Yeah,
1: of course. So, KPNL, though so originally, especially a lot of the people that are caravan listeners will remember Vance. He was my first co host. We had talked a lot about how much we loved the community. Caravan started out as the Acrylic Ranch. And it was rebranded, and I kind of came to the forefront a little bit within the caravan. Now, there was a page in the caravan website that said On Air Now, and it was just a page advertising everybody in the community that I listened to or I believed in what they were doing. End of the freight was on there. Somewhere in the Skies was on there. There was, I think I had a a link for Midnight in the Desert and Coast to Coast AM because I had it all sectioned out to here's Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays all the way through the week. But then I also had a section for like daily shows. Well, when things kind of transitioned and KPNL was born From that single web page in the caravan, because at this point it was like, we really want to show the community how much we love what they're doing. And everybody that came onto the KPNL, I really think that the podcast that they were doing, the books that they were writing, the messages that they were sending to these communities, it was all from their heart. So I wanted to amplify that and really be that cheerleader that I've always been here within the community. So KPNO was born because of that. I thought, how awesome would that be to put all of us together in a place, all together just in one place? Well the other thing too is i wanted everybody to have complete creative freedom so a lot of other networks would say you know you can only have your show on our network your show has to be within this time frame and i didn't want to do that to anybody i'm like i want you guys to come to a place where you feel like you have this blank canvas to fully express yourselves and fully get out whatever message it is that you're trying to let the community know Oh. Mm-hmm. So KPNL stands for K Paranormal. So that's how KPNL was created. And Grimshaw is our logo <laughs> and that's a whole a whole another story. <laughs> that's a whole other. A yes, this.
0: He's <laughs> Grimshaw is super interesting from his voice to the artwork that Jamie did such a good job on, Incredible. everything. He's a very sharp fellow, sharp looking, <laughs> good sounding. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> he's very very classy is what he is yes so I was wondering because whenever you're not playing actual podcasts on KPNL Wait. you're playing music you have handpicked the songs that are on that station
1: <laughs> yeah you're not just
0: putting on a random playlist these are things that have <laughs> meaning
1: actually yeah okay so with KPNL there is actually a lot of magic involved because all of the music every single song that's on the main default playlist that plays mm-hmm. just normally mm-hmm. these were all songs and artists that i listened to before kpnl was ever a thing once kpnl was born There was a vision in my mind. I tried to follow the vision, and every single time that I followed the vision, things would fall into place. The artist would say that they loved the idea. They would give me permission to play their songs on the radio. And the really special thing is, too, that if you listen, if you really listen to the words of the songs, you will hear that they have a paranormal theme. Sean James, there's one song called Burn the Witch. It talks about women who were persecuted unreasonably. They're sitting there being charged for being a witch. I'm not a witch, and and I'm not going to scream while you're burning me and give you that satisfaction. Like, absolutely not. There are songs about the devil. Plenty of songs, actually, about the devil and monsters and demons. You just have to listen to the lyrics of course, we have Professor Bones. He's an anonymous Italian composer who brings all of his songs forth from the netherworld. It was an honor to be able to interview him as well. And then even the transition between songs, if you were to actually listen to the entire playlist, I take you through a range of emotions. There's a section in there where you're like, you're excited, you're happy, you're dancing. And then another set will take you into like the reflection, and there's some melancholy, and then there is anger, and there's sadness, and then there's hope. Because again, something that was really important with the caravan that I feel is still important with KPNL is the theater of the mind. And being Mm -hmm. able to feel those emotions and experience these things.
0: Yeah. And see, this is the kind of stuff that doesn't really get talked about. You know, everything is done (laughs) with intent and with purpose. Yes. uh, Down to the Mm -hmm. tiniest detail. And that reminds me of some of the uh, people and things that I love most in life is that nothing is without a purpose. Mm. You know, that reminds me of Wardruna, for one. You know, there's not Mm. a a song there's not a note an instrument that on their tracks or a piece of paint on their artwork that is not without extreme purpose oh yeah it is magic like you said there's magic in it
1: oh yeah even the commercials the way Mm -hmm. that I time the commercials and where I put them I know that there's one section in there where I have a commercial that the music has brought you to this one point where you're just kind of like have a breather Mm-hmm. And you have this break with this commercial and mm-hmm. the commercial kind of just breaks up that energy, that flow. And then all of a sudden the next song that hits, boom, now you've transitioned into an entirely new emotion. Right. So, so yeah, no, every little detail, even on the website itself, the fonts mm-hmm. of the words, the way that things are stacked, the way that things are, all of it has a lot of intent.
0: I love that. That's something I've always enjoyed about anything that mm. uh, anything mm-hmm. that's really caught my attention to know that somebody has put <laughs> the time and effort into it and there's purpose behind it. it. Even if it's not something that's meant to be known right away, something right. That maybe you can discover later. Maybe exactly. something won't click until another time, just when it's meant to click. Right. No. That, exactly. That's really cool. But before <laughs> KPNL, you had the caravan, and yes. what you said was first the acrylic ranch. What Mm -hmm. was the initial thought behind the creation of this podcast? What was the intent behind it?
1: So Shannon Legro had just come out with Into the Fray Radio. Mm -hmm. And Vance Nesbitt, who was my co-host at the time, Mm -hmm. he was doing these, it was like a couple minute YouTube video that he would then post within Into the Fray Facebook group. Then him and I started talking because I was very active in that group. I was always talking and I would get these long threads going where there'd be like hundreds of comments of everybody just talking <laughs> back and forth. And we were doing this kind of as a pre-show like we wanted to gather people for Shannon to really be like, all right, let's get pumped before the show. It's like Super Bowl. You know, you're like, yeah, "Yeah, here we go. (laughs) And so (laughs) when Vance started making these videos, him and I started talking and then we started doing things together. Well, slowly, what we ended up doing is it became a show that he would kind of do whatever. And then I would do a little bit of research and, or I'd throw some photos or some research his way and he'd put it in there. And then him and I would be talking. And then eventually what people said in the group, they were like, you guys need to have your own show. And they said that long enough, consistently enough that Vance and I were like, okay, we're going to give it a try. Well, the Acrylic Ranch was already something that Vance had had established through like YouTube. Mm-hmm. So we ended kind of having this little show. And boy, at that time, we were trying to figure out how to do everything. You know, we were using Facebook Live, YouTube Live, there was like a Google Live, trying Mm -hmm. to figure out where our home was going to be. Well, we enjoyed doing that. But then people were coming and they really liked it. But they're like, you know, It would make it more convenient if you went through a traditional podcast type of way so that we could do a playback or hear it on our radio in the car or whatever. So, by this point, I was like, okay, we should do this. But if we're going to be doing this and we're going to be on this bigger scale, we need to have a name that makes sense to what we're doing, something that ties this in. And it isn't just a name but an experience. Mm -hmm. So him and I, we were sitting there talking about it. And I always loved, you know, because again, one of my grandmothers on my paternal side, it's said that she was a full gypsy. And mm-hmm. I have always had kind of that very gypsy, wandering, traveler energy and everything. And I love Vardos, those caravans. Mm-hmm. They're so beautiful. And I would live in one, 110%, <laughs> I would live in one. And I'm like, oh, the caravan, caravan, I can see one in my mind. And when he was talking to me, he's like, okay. And he brought up library and then it became, okay, the caravan library of lore. And the idea was that it would be like with creating an experience, we wanted it to seem like you were invited up into the caravan Mm -hmm. and every single time we're taking down a new book and discussing the lore on a certain subject within that book. So each episode is kind of supposed to be another getting a new book or, or going to a new chapter. Well, one of my favorite movies is The Wolfman. So this is what completely inspired the entire opening to the podcast. When I say come, walk down the winding path. Don't mind the spooks and monsters. They stay hidden within the trees. There is a scene in Wolfman, where he is going down this path through the forest because he's going to meet Maleva, the gypsy who is the fortune teller. There is a scene in there where I don't think he sees him. You see the werewolf within the trees, he's hidden. So that is what inspired that opening. This is something you haven't <laughs> ever shared with me. <laughs> yeah, no. That's- and and that's what I think of every single time. And then when you get to the point where it says there are mysteries in this world that you need to know and paranormal truths that need to be told, come step up into the caravan where we share tales of old as well as new accounts about things you thought only existed in your nightmares. Well, once he reaches Maleva and he gets up into the caravan, she's talking to him and she's telling him about the werewolf. And this is real. She's telling him how real it, it is. And again, it goes back to my passion about not lying to people about this stuff being fake or not real. So the entire intro was really inspired by just that little scene. It's probably only a couple seconds, I think 20 seconds within the movie, The Wolfman.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, now I'm going to have to watch it because I haven't seen it. Oh, Cool. Yeah, that's really, that's really neat. Because I I always loved the intro, because it's a story (laughs) that you're painting. And I see it. This is interesting. Another thing that I just recently, thank you, TikTok. There was a, (laughs) a video about different ways that people see things in their mind whenever they're hearing a story some people actually visualize a scene as they're Mm -hmm. reading or someone's speaking to them they see it in their mind and then others don't I don't know what they do because that's how I think (laughs) but right me too yeah apparently that's a thing where some people just don't have that ability or things Mm -hmm. appear to them differently when they're thinking or listening but I see it every time I hear that intro I see Hmm. everything that you're describing and I've always adored it. That makes me so happy, especially,
1: you know, because for a long time it was just music Mm -hmm. and I still had the words, but I wanted to make it more of an experience. So then I added in the, it's supposed to be, other people have said some more uh, other words on what they hear in the the intro, but it's supposed to be a wagon drawn by horses. That's what you're hearing in the beginning. And then at one point it stops. Because yeah. I'm wanting you to, it's like, all right, here's the caravan here, it's
0: coming. And now it's stopped. So I can now step up inside it. Yeah, so. no, that's what I'm hearing. As is important to the audience is what I'm hearing. It's magic in that way. <laughs> that if it speaks yes. to you, it'll find the right way <laughs> to do so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh. But going back a little bit to whenever we first met and it was through the Tarot Mm -hmm. and Lace page that you have on Facebook. So I met you with the knowledge that you have certain abilities and certain gifts, Mm -hmm. as was evidenced in our first conversation through Tarot and Lace (laughs) when you did a reading and then you were like calling out certain things that absolutely were happening and we didn't know each other. But that's something that also we don't really get to see when we're interviewing people or just talking about ghost stories or folklore or whatever. So could you speak a little bit to your divination practices? Like when you first started doing Mm. anything like that, like how Uh old were you? Who taught you? What all do you even practice as far as divination goes?
1: I remember as a kid being able to predict things, but I didn't know at all that it was anything special. What I thought was happening is that I was picking up on patterns or obvious things, that it was more of a a scientific thing. I was able to, gosh, I'd watch America's Funniest Home Videos. I always knew who was going to win. I was watching <laughs> I horse that. racing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I was watching horse racing. I always knew which horse was going to win. And it really did get to a point where I was just kind of bored with it because I Mm -hmm. was like, I already know and this is boring. Well, then what ended up happening is I found a book that had Zener cards and I was very accurate. There's actually I did a video where I was doing it. The video is of my laptop and there is an ESP trainer online and I'm videoing me going through it and talking about it. And I do come up with the correct result. So from there, I ended up in healing group. So I would go to this healing group. It started when I was fifteen and I went until I was about twenty. It was every Sunday. And that's when I found some tarot cards. And there was people there that knew how to read them. So I started out with a deck and my mentor at the time was teaching me how to do a spread where you used every single one of those cards. And Whoa, as that's serious. I was Oh, yeah. No. So we would go through and she would explain to me what all the cards meant, what sections were for what section in your life and what the cards meant, depending on where in in your life section that they would fall. And then from there, once I started to get a hang of it, I kind of got the guide decks that are your very easy, very just pick one and read it out of the book book. and everything. Yeah. So that was kind of what led to me being able to recognize what card to pick because the cards, when they're face down, there's a number that pops up in my head immediately. Like if you were to say, okay, I would like a reading, boom, there's a number that pops in my head. And that's Mm -hmm. how I know how many cards to pick. Mm -hmm. And then once we kind of go a little further and I don't ever need any question The thing is, the universe knows what you're wanting to ask. The universe knows what it wants you to know. So Mm -hmm. I just pick the cards. And so when the cards are down, they will have a magnetic feeling to them. Mm -hmm. And I started out with happening to hover my hand above the cards, but Mm -hmm. now it's almost like I can feel it in my third eye. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just, it just kind of goes faster. So cards have always been playing with them since I was about 15. Runes were something that was completely different because I found them about, I would say, seven years ago. I never had a set of my own, but my sister was always very interested. We have some family ancestry that's over in that area. A lot of, you know, the Norse ties. And so she was talking to me about runes and she was interested in them. Well, as a gift, she gave me, she actually walked into a bead store and she goes, I would like to buy you a set of beads or stones so you can make your own rune set. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, Mm -hmm. it was really funny. She sent me pictures of this bead shop and I'm looking through the pictures and I see this tiny, tiniest little sliver of gray. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm seeing bones. And I'm like, what is this? And I circle it. So she had to literally dig through beads to get to this one strand. And it was the only strand that was there. And they were natural river stones. And they are white and kind of have that bone-like look to it. And I said, that that is what I want. Well, she sent me those and then a carving tool and some ink. Mm. And I made them. And each stone called to me. Like, I had a book. That had the runes, and each stone told me exactly what their sign was or their symbol. So I carved them according to what the stones told me to do. And when I was done, they were so powerful and they were so intense, I actually could not use them for like six months. I was afraid. I was quite literally afraid because with runes, so if you have a guide deck, it's kind of fluffy. Right. Stones they're brutal. They have the positive side, they have the negative side, and they are going to straight up tell you the truth. And unless you are ready to hear that truth, don't go asking the stones. Like it's some brutal truth. So I started with cards and then I went to runes and I love my runes. I actually carry them with me all the time. Recently, I ended up with a teacup so I could do tea leaf readings and that's still new. I've only done two readings with it. I'm not feeling a huge energetic pull to tea leaf reading, but another that you and I have talked about that I am very interested in is Bones, collecting
0: your own bone set. Yeah. That is a big call. Yeah. So the Bones, that's something that I am also interested in, but it's one that from everything that I've read is not something that you can't just pick it up and know what to do. It's something that you have, it takes years. And it's more meaningful if you accumulate your own set, which
2: mm-hmm.
0: what I like hearing about your first rune set is that you carve them and you listen to the intent of each piece and you mm-hmm. answered it like you listened. <laughs> that one that makes it personal, because you can go out and you can buy rune sets. The rune sets I have are ones that I bought. I have never carved my own set, but. Mm. There is another set of runes that I found within the last two years called the witch's runes, which I only came across it because my husband gave me a set of those runes for Christmas one year. Right. And they're beautiful runes, but I was like, what do these mean? (laughs) They're not traditional runes. I mean, you've got a scythe and you've got some waves and star (laughs) and and stuff. And I'm like, what is this? And he's like, I don't know. I just thought you might want them. And so then I had to find a book to even tell me what they could mean, which right. had I been in another time in my life, maybe I would have felt more comfortable just sitting with them and trying mm-hmm. to sense their meanings. I'm not at that point in my life right now. So I was like, I need a book to at least point me in the right direction. <laughs> but when right. I found the book on it, which happened to be by Susan Shepard, she highly recommends carving your own. Finding mm-hmm. wood or stone or whatever and making your own runes because right. then you already have that connection. That's really cool. I'm going to have to carve my own rune set.
1: Originally, I come from a long line of rock hounders. Mm-hmm. My grandfather, my great grandfather, when we came over, from Bessarabia that is what everybody started doing here was searching for the stones and the rocks and the petrified wood and all of that and uh, gosh i remember being a, a child that was actually what led to my very first experience with an otherworldly being that was more physical because one day my father you know we were out looking for rocks and it was just my father and i and we were mm-hmm. out tillamook forest towards the oregon coast well it had been rainy as it does in, you know, in Oregon and <laughs> the ground was soft and very I looked typical. down, down in the mud, in the middle of the forest, there is a footprint the size of like a one or two year old child. And it is a bare footprint. Like just like there's the toes. It's perfect. And I said to my dad, dad, what is this? You know, look at this. He goes, oh, oh, yeah, you know, that's the little people. And I was so thrown off and I didn't understand what he meant. and He never really explained it to me. (laughs) And then now that I'm within this community, now Mm -hmm. I find out you should have seen my face when I found out that other people have experienced the same thing, that little people are all over lore and legends. And I'm Mm -hmm. just like, oh, my gosh, this it's another confirmation of something else that I experienced was, was actually a thing.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. I've (laughs) I've heard about that and stories all are similar. I haven't seen one for myself, but it's similar where it's not a kid by themselves out in the middle of nowhere. Yes. Or they're not surviving and they're like their fresh footprints (laughs) and so on. Well, and they wouldn't be so perfect either. Right. You know, a one-year-old's not going to walk how you and I would. (laughs) <laughs> right that's true so and that was it so he just said that matter of fact and then never told you anything about like leaving gifts for them or did he ever no. like warn you not to give the fae your name or i've kind of wondered about
1: doing a regression a memory regression session <laughs> because i remember sitting in the truck because we had this little truck and i remember looking off into the woods and again i was really little and i remember being absolutely terrified of sasquatch. And seeing the little person footprint was almost a confirmation for me that, oh my gosh, if this is real, then Bigfoot could be real. And later on in life, I have experienced a couple weird possible Sasquatch encounters, but that was a pretty big thing for me. And then it was just him and I out there, and I'm pretty sure that I was really scared. So I just, I didn't want to talk and I didn't want to say too much because I didn't want anything to hear us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I get that. The kids, we've told them about Bigfoot and of course mm-hmm. we're not far from where the Minerva monster is or right. was. And when they go visit their grandparents, that's right where the Minerva Monster was, pretty much. And so they talk about ha the Minerva Monster, we're in Minerva. It's all fun and games until it's starting to get dark and we're walking around the lake. And I'm like, all right, well, let's let out a call. And they're like, No, 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 no. I don't actually want to meet him. I don't want to see him. One thing, if you get here during the summer too, that piece of land has a rookery where there are herons. Oh, and wow. when they're nesting, I mean, there's dozens of them up in these trees. It actually mm. looks like Jurassic Park because they look like pterosaurs wow. up in the trees. That's amazing. And they just yell at each other constantly in the evening. Right. They just squawk at each other, but it doesn't sound like... <laughs> A bird it sounds like if you were to envision maybe what a sasquatch would sound like if it was just letting out a couple yells but not like the bone shaking yells just letting out these warning yells or something so the one night we were out walking around and the herons were going nuts and they're over in the woods and the kids lost their minds because they thought for certain that we were Mm. about to get attacked. (laughs) Right by right by Bigfoot because they heard him and I'm like no no, no those are the birds it's okay calm down it's just the birds <laughs> I'll have to send you the clip for that because I recorded it I was laughing at them and I recorded it and and it's also another thing just to know that that sound is there too because it is unnerving there's a lot of sounds and odd things that happen oh, in the woods indeed even before you get into any type of paranormal or cryptid or anything like that foxes can sound like <sighs> someone's being murdered.
1: Peacocks sound like a woman screaming. Mm
0: -hmm. So as far as other like divination tools that you've used, what about spirit boards or Ouija boards? What is your stance on that? So,
1: okay. So, and and I'll comment too real quick on pendulums. Pendulums was something that I used. I do love those. I don't use them often because I think that I mentally control it too much. I think that, because I know that I can sit there and look at it and be still, and I can sit there and mentally think, okay, do yes, do no, go in a circle, and it'll do all those things by the drop of a thought. So I just don't use it. Ouija boards. So yeah, in the beginning when I was a child, you know, I had made one, and things didn't go well, and it was because I didn't know what I was doing. I believe that they can be used safely, if Mm -hmm. done properly, because... Mm -hmm. It's all about you're sitting there staring at this piece of whatever cardboard yeah. piece cardboard
0: these days whatever yeah.
1: <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> you're mentally opening yourself up mm-hmm. to talk to whatever. so really, like, is it the border? is it you? Are you? Right channeling something and you're and it's kind of moving your hand or is the planchette moving on its own i mean during this time i also started to learn automatic writing as well Mm -hmm. as i was doing a lot of i guess it would be called mediumship or channeling which is something that I, i haven't shared a whole lot about and then i had gotten into the ouija board in my opinion you definitely do want to state what, you know, the good can come in, and the bad has to stay out, and you put up your wards, and you energetically, you have to have everything lined up right. You can't just willy-nilly use it. thing new that I have is my black scrying mirror, and I actually have an obsidian uh, crystal ball as well. They're gorgeous, and it's funny because the obsidian crystal ball was actually gifted to me last week, and so, what? and it feels so, like... There's a lot of powerful energy within that. It is really intense. So, but the thing is, is you do not leave those uncovered. You don't just sit there right. and be like, okay, I'm gonna have this next to my bed and I'm gonna go to sleep. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so it's, it's same thing with the Ouija boards. For me, I have a Ouija board. It's out, it's not mm-hmm. in a package, it's just sitting out on my dresser, but the planchette is all the way across the room on my other dresser, in with its own little things. So yes, I do believe in them. Yes, I have used them, but they aren't my go-to.
0: Right. Now, listeners should remember that we did a session <laughs> when you were here with yes. almost every board I have just to try yes. to get things to work. <laughs> and ultimately, we settled on cards. We still fell back yeah. on playing cards at the end of the day regular yes. playing cards yeah and that was something that we got uh, dangerous, what was it called? Games. Dangerous, dangerous games dangerous game. play in the dark yeah. yes
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: so we have the cards for that jake richards to bring him back up again here mm-hmm. shortly which by the time this comes out it'll probably already be out but he has a deck of cards that is coming out soon to accompany his newest book and it's -hmm. Playing card based. So, I mean, like the regular standard playing card deck with different images on it, which is going to look cool. And I'm sure it has a guidebook and stuff with it too. But I wanted Mm -hmm. to ask this what I'm talking about right now, because obviously you guys can't see us, it's called the Gypsy Witch Fortune Telling Playing Mm -hmm. Cards. And it comes in an orange box. It's a standard playing deck, but each card is numbered. And then it has a little paragraph on each card that kind of tells you what it is or what. The card would mean if it is near another one, because I can remember one of them was like, if near the star, then mm-hmm. it's an omen. If near the hay bale, then it's a positive thing, you know, or whatever. And then it comes with a tiny mm-hmm. little fold out thing that actually mm-hmm. has very in-depth spreads. The long one yeah. has so many cards in it that. This was the first, I would say, it's got to be the first fortune telling deck of cards that had any ability to tell fortunes. So no tarot cards or anything. I didn't get tarot cards until I was an adult. Right. I got a set of Gypsy Witch fortune telling cards from like when we went down to Tennessee, Pigeon Mm. Forge, Cherokee, North Carolina or something. Whenever I was a kid, I saw them and I feel like it was also in an antique shop. I could be wrong. It might've just been a curiosity shop. But I mm-hmm. saw that orange box and I was like, ooh, Gypsy Witch, that sounds cool. And I asked my friends right. if I could have it and they let me have it. I had a heck of a time with it because I was so young and the spreads mm-hmm. were so intense. It just ended up being something that I had, but never used. And then as mm-hmm. I grew up and moved out, I don't know where my original deck is, but a few years ago, I bought that one. Nothing's changed on it. So if you, if it sounds for anybody who's right. listening, if they're like, oh, I remember an orange box of cards. Anyway, yeah, it's on one, Amazon. It's that one. It's that back yeah. They haven't changed their logo, which I love. I love it. I think mm-hmm. that's awesome
1: because I remember seeing them years ago as well, especially being mm-hmm. in the antique community
0: and everything. So, yeah, I wanted to ask when you're talking about being around the antiques a lot, was there ever any antique of any form, whether it's furniture, doll, board? Cards, whatever that really seemed powerful to you. I don't necessarily mean like curse or anything, but just that there was something heavy. Heavy energy. Yes.
1: Growing up in the antique world was really different. My reality was was very skewed. I quite literally, (laughs) as I grew up, it was really weird for me to realize one of the TVs that we had was a dial TV, it was like an AM, FM TV. And it was all black and white. And gosh, I remember watching Dead Poets Society and thinking that when you graduated high school, that that was how college was. This is how, right. you know, how things were. And mm-hmm. I listened to like Howdy Doody and Renton Tin, Tin <laughs> and all these things. And I found out that people don't listen to that. <laughs> right that's that's not normal and then oh my gosh I loved dressing up in the costume jewelry and the mink shawls and the Mm. and the hats and everything I Mm. adored that and the long you know satin gloves nobody at school really knew what any of that stuff was and I was like (laughs) oh okay so when I would go into an antique store I was really just in my own reality and it just felt like I was home. Well, I had two things happen. Kind of interesting. Nothing paranormal. Nothing scary. One was I got to actually see a player piano. And the guy got it and turned it on for me. And I'm telling you, I felt like I was transported back in time. And (laughs) the energy, like it was like you were time traveling. It was so beautiful. I loved it, the sound that it made. I only saw one. The one time ever, and I never saw one again. The other story is you learn how to be extremely patient as a child when your dad is from the military and he is a postcard collector. I am telling you, going through a box of postcards, a single box of postcards, can take forever because you're looking at the postcard and you're finding out okay, what is the cancellation mark? How much does it cost? Depending on the cancellation mark, does the town still exist? What is on the front? What's written on the back? What's the condition (laughs) of the card? So you're going through and you're looking at all these intricate little details of every single card. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to just kind of sit there and I would go, I guess you could say that I would just literally click out and be in an alternate state. Mm
2: -hmm. My eyes
1: would be open though, but I wasn't there. So I sat there one afternoon, we were in an antique mall and a lady, like I was just clicked out and there's this lady and I, and I was aware of her presence. She had come up around me and then she walked off and I didn't really pay any attention. Then all of a sudden two people are approaching me and it was the same lady and she was legit asking (laughs) how much is the doll? (laughs) And they came up to me. They actually got (laughs) (laughs) they actually got up to me so close that I then clicked out of it and I looked up at her and she about had a heart attack. Oh my god. (laughs) I felt so bad. So that was pretty (laughs) that was pretty amusing.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. But she's probably telling that story. When she got home, that was this haunted doll that she found. You'd never believe it. (laughs) Other people saw it too. They witnessed
1: it, It looked up at us.
0: (laughs) Oh, man.
1: That was good stuff.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. When my mom has always been into antiques, they didn't sell antiques or anything. So I didn't spend as much, not nearly as much time as you would have for collecting postcards or being in charge of antiques or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. mom would go. I mean, we would hit, I don't know how many antique places uh, on a Saturday oh, yeah. and we'd start off at Amish country and hit three or four antique stores. Mm. And then we'd end up back in New Philly at the antique mall. Cause there used to be something called the riverfront antique mall down there. It's not there anymore. And it was huge. And mom collects glass shoes, like glass oh, slippers. Okay. And they're, yeah. I mean, they're just tiny, they're not actual shoe mm-hmm. size. But Fenton and Boyd and oh, Mom yes. like all these. And because she, I mean, she had at one point, I think close to 200 glass shoes. You've met Courtney. Courtney always says that my parents' house looks like a museum because oh, yeah. of all of this stuff. Because mom, <laughs> I'm sure this is where I got my collecting gene from. When she sees something she likes, she doesn't want just one, she wants to spend oh, yeah. time collecting them. So this is yes. why I have multiple sets of things I really like, but <laughs> because I accompanied them all the time, mom couldn't even remember all of the shoes that she had. And so oh. she would see one that she was like, Oh, I don't think I have that one. And then she'd ask me, do I have mm. this shoe? And I'd be able to tell <laughs> her no, or yeah, you do. It's on the shelf in the hallway, like the third shadow mm. box down the hall. Yes. Like, <laughs> cause I knew where <laughs> they all were and everything. But, yeah, that was my role. They brought me along, I think, so that they could <laughs> mom could keep a tally on on which ones she had and which ones she didn't but <laughs> and then every once in a while, Dad would get into a kick if he'd want to collect certain things, and so that's how right. we have multiple like these little glass dogs. That mm-hmm. are hollow in the center. But it was something that as a kid, I wasn't overly thrilled to go because they would wake oh, me yeah. up at a ridiculous hour in the morning, which probably yep. realistically was only like 8 a.m. or something, but I felt like it was five. Yep. And start <laughs> the day off early. Let's go. Let's get breakfast. I hate breakfast still to this day. And <laughs> and that would be our day. The entire day would be dedicated to doing oh, yeah. antiquing. It was stuff that I didn't care about so much whenever I was little. But then as I got older, like when I got my license, I remember taking my friends to the antique mall. (laughs) Like, let's just go hang out at the antique mall. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. (laughs) Nope. And I'm that way now.
1: I've been talking to some of the old postcard dealers because I've been trying to figure out old photographs, the tin types, daguerreotypes, and they're so beautiful. And as I've been redoing my room, I thought, oh, it'd be wonderful to have some of these that I'm looking for. I, I see one in my mind. I see yeah. her very clearly. She's like an actress. And the color, it's not necessarily black and white. It's mm. more on the sepia tones. So I'm searching and we'll see if that I, if I find her and then I'll put her in my room.
0: Yeah. See, you have to uh, focus on it and manifest it, right? Because manifestation yes. is a thing. <laughs> yes. Which is also something oh, gosh. that you can speak to. <laughs> the power of manifestation. Yes. Yeah, no,
1: the power of manifestation is a big deal to me.
0: And that's something that I feel like you could teach someone very early on in life. I've noticed even with my son, if if he wakes up in a bad mood and he starts Mm -hmm. with a negative attitude, it is guaranteed that he is going to end up tripping and falling, dropping something and breaking it. And not because he's angry or anything, just because he's negative cloud around him. And I keep telling him, you have to snap out of this, focus on something positive, (laughs) or things are just going to continue to get bad. And it does. It ultimately ends up at some point with him having a complete breakdown at some point because Mm -hmm. it just spirals because manifestation can work both ways. Like, right. It's not just a positive thing. It can snowball. That's true. And
1: it's something that I have taught my children since day one. What you send out, whatever you think, everything that you do, every thought that you think is energy. And that energy, our our entire reality, our world is made up of energy. So as you think, you are calling forth those things. We are magnets. So what we send out, it comes back to us. One of my previous mentors, I forget exactly what he said, but he said something to the effect of, As you do, so you become, and as you become, so you are. And that speaks massively to the power of manifestation. The thoughts Mm -hmm. that you think about yourself, the thoughts that you send out to the universe, these are the thoughts and how you're going to experience your day. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the biggest things that I can speak to when it comes to manifestation is the place that I'm living now. I had really, I was living in a different apartment at the time and I was sitting there going, man, I really need to move. I want to move back to, you know, this town over here and there'd be all these benefits and this is what I want. And the joke that I've always said is I call it universe juice because, you know, it's fluid motion of manifesting and things happening. And so I'm like, all right, universe juice. And I get on Craigslist. And just they're calling it out going, all right, I'm going to find the place that I'm going to live. I'm going to find it. It's going to be here. Well, all of a sudden on the front page, the place, my house, it was listed right there. And I had it in less than 24 hours that's some serious manifestation. And there's been so many times that that has happened. Same thing happened when I needed a job. At one point, I spoke out to the universe, I need a job that's going to give me X amount of money. And through a weird turn of events, I was volunteering somewhere. And for some reason, one of the people that was there, she just didn't like me. There were some jealousy issues going on she quit and the boss looked at me and goes, all right, you're up. And I was hired full time. And I had literally just said the
0: day before that I needed a job like that. And I got it. It's true. Yeah. It's cool to have those thoughts and to recognize the outcome of them and be able to put that Mm -hmm. together because then at some point you have the ability to utilize that. Instead of just things always being happenstance, like, oh, that was really convenient that that worked out just when I needed it to. It (laughs) helps you focus your energy to achieve a goal. That's interesting. Okay. So you have lots of stories that we obviously can't cover in one episode alone of, or even two or three or four. (laughs) Do you have plans to write stuff down, to catalog it and have that out there in the world sometime? Yes, actually, I do.
1: I am in the process of writing a book all Mm -hmm. about everything that I've experienced since I was born. I'm about 32 pages in as of this recording. So I'm quite literally chronolizing everything that's happened. Like opening scene is me remembering, me sitting there going, wow, I've come back. And then it goes to the first time that I had a really big vision Split seconds before it happened, it was really difficult for me to write. It took me a couple of days to actually be able to write it all out. Now, where I'm at in the book is I am just now entering healing group because healing group was a really, really big turning point. Because at the age of 15, my dad, he met a group of people that were Reiki energy healers. They, were, they had all these different clear senses and mm-hmm. mediums, channeling, seances, all, all of it, you know. And I was able to go with him. So this is what my father and I did every Sunday for years. And then I ended up getting my Reiki attunements. I was 18 and then 18 for my first attunement, 19 for my second attunement. And then in 2011, I ended up with my Mastery attunement. So that was a really, really big time in my life because during that time Mm -hmm. in my life as well is I'm a channel, I can channel different beings and spirits and things just come through me. And as a child, when that first starts happening, it's very difficult because I was getting to the point where it was like I was on autopilot and you just weren't there anymore. And then Mm -hmm. you'd come to, and then you've driven to a completely different place. And you're just like, I quite literally ended up in front of my mentor's house. And I got out of the car and I went up to her door and I knocked on her door and I said, I don't know how I got here. I don't know why I'm here. Mm -hmm. And she was very, she was like, I knew that you were coming. Come on in. You know, we sat down (laughs) and we talked about it. And (laughs) I mean, it was really crazy. and. So then I shut it off for a long time. I really did. I shut it off for a long time. But within this year, I have really started to claim that power and be like, you know what? I am a witch, I am a vampire. I am doing these things, you know, Mm -hmm. I can read your cards, I'm attuned with divination, I can channel these different beings, I can, you know, even with you, when I came up to see you, it was really one of the big things that was so significant to me was I was sitting there at the table, and I felt weird, because here it is, it's the first time that I've met you guys in person. And I'm like, I need a piece of paper. I need a pen. I need a piece of paper. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I'm completely having this vision and I'm drawing it out on this paper and I'm trying to explain what I'm seeing. And it was so crazy that you guys knew because see, they (laughs) didn't give me any information about the building. I had not seen the inside or anything, but I legitimately drew a location within the building. And Mm -hmm. When I got into the building, I almost started shaking when I actually found
0: <laughs> what I drew. Yeah. I mean, that was <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was the, so intense. Whenever you came out here and the goal was to get you on a ghost hunt, a paranormal investigation for your birthday because you were here over your birthday weekend. Yes. We didn't tell you anything about the location. To be honest, right? I still don't know a ton of the history of that area anyway, but we told you nothing. We didn't want you to know the color of the carpet or the walls or anything, nothing. It was all to be new (laughs) when you got there. And so what Lady Anne is recounting is actually the night that she came, like she flew in from her place out here that night, sitting around my kitchen table, she starts drawing this out and she did not see two days before the ghost hunt because the following day, You were with me for the first episode of On the Trail of Hauntings being filmed. Yes. And that was Friday. That was all day Friday. And then it was not until Saturday night that we got to the ghost hunt. So it was a full 48 hours later before you (laughs) found the place that was exactly Mm -hmm. as you drew it. One final thing to throw out there to people that are either trying to reclaim powers that they had and knew that they had or thought that they had but they weren't sure You know, how does one go about recognizing that the feelings that you're getting or the senses that you're sensing are something that Mm -hmm. you should pay attention to? Like, what is one of the first vital steps to honing any of the senses? Gosh. Well, number one, you have to allow yourself to be open
1: to it. You have to sit there and go, okay, I am going to allow myself to recognize that these things exist. If you don't do that, then you're closed off and you're not going to be open to seeing those signs. The second thing would, the first thing that really pops in my head is repetition. If you're Mm -hmm. seeing numbers that are repeating, or if there's a word that is repeating, or an animal that keeps coming to you, Mm -hmm. the reason why you keep seeing it everywhere is because the universe is trying to show it to you. And you're going to keep seeing it until you get the (laughs) message in some way. Either A, you Google that, be like, okay, what's the numerology of 11? Yeah. What is the spiritual meaning of the color green? Or you say, I mean, you can say to the universe, you know what? I don't want these messages. I'm just wanting it to stop. And then it will. And then once you start paying attention and you start researching, because you have to, you need to look things up. All of a sudden you'll realize oh my gosh, the shroom means rebirth and I have just remade my business, you know, something like that. You'll start seeing these correlations or these messages and you'll be able to be like, oh my gosh, I've been asking and been praying to my deity or saying it out to the universe for however long that I want this thing. And now this thing or a message in regards to this thing is popping up, showing me that who I've been speaking to is listening to me.
0: So it does take work on your part. Yeah, that's good advice. What about any feelings that may happen? Have you noticed before something happens, like an actual physical sensation? Do you have anything like that that happens?
1: So that one's a little bit more difficult. So recently within this year, I have been experiencing... So there's, there's all these Claire senses, Claire audience and... Being able to see things in your mind or hear things with your ears or that aren't around, that it's just kind of like this otherworldly experience. I'm used to seeing visions in my mind, but there's also smells which I can't remember what Claire sense that is a new one that I learned about called Claire tangency. Now, Mm -hmm. Claire tangency is the one where when I was interviewing Kedrick, he had mentioned it. And he said that he really felt that that was one of my gifts It's when you can feel things, because recently I had a couple things happen. I became very sick. And it was really out of nowhere. I was fine. I'm walking along, and then all of a sudden, my body physically felt sick. I was in pain in certain areas of my body, and this had happened a couple separate times. Well, the first time that it happened, a message from someone. And they were like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, this is what's going on with me right now. And then I was able to recognize, oh, okay, that was, you know, my body was picking up on the fact that my friend was going through this pain. Well, then the pain had went away. The next time it happened, it was so intense and it was my sister. And in my mind, something told me to message my sister. So There was these Mm -hmm. multiple Claire's senses, same time. So with her, I messaged her and I said, what are you feeling right now? I'm just going to go with it and ask, you know, and then she told me, Mm -hmm. well, the thing is, is with that one. And I don't know if it's because she's my blood relation or whatever, but I really had to go in and really state to the universe, you know, I am cutting these cords. I am not just this open funnel I do not choose this experience right now. I understand that people are feeling these things or whatever, but right now I need to close that off because I have these other things that I need to do. If you do not have another clear sense going on at the same time that you're having a physical feeling, I would gather that it would be extremely difficult to figure out. You know, the very right. first thing that my very first mentor, she always said to me was discernment, discernment. And it's something that I still need to learn because, again, back to our pepper story where I smelled peppers, just <laughs> these red and green peppers. And I knew it was you. Yeah. And I had messaged You know, and here you were. I smelled peppers in Oregon and she's in Ohio and she had had peppers. And so it was just, yeah, it was really interesting. And, you know, and again, though, that was multiple senses working together. The second, though, that you're having a feeling, a physical feeling, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: if you really are sitting there questioning it, going, is this mine? Is this my own? Or am I picking up on something? If you're even asking yourself that, it's probably something else, at least worth looking into. Google yeah. it, start talking to your friends, people that you're most closest to say, Hey, I don't know why I'm feeling this right now, but I'm feeling it. And try to, you know, sit there and who should you ask? Who should you tell? And then yeah. I think the universe will just lead you
0: down that path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I have tried to do is when I have certain feelings and usually it, sometimes things are really out of the blue and it's very overwhelming, uh, a thought of a friend or something might be very strong. And then I mm. message them right away because I just feel like I need to right at that moment. And right. more often than not in those scenarios, something has happened or they're not in a good mm. frame of mind or whatever. Okay. But then right. other times that I've messaged people is because I've had a dream about them and mm. something came up in the dream that was unsettling or whatnot. And so then I just check in on them. There's not always something going on with that, but I still think it helps them to know that at least they're being thought about, you know, they're not, you know, their friend is checking in on them because they were on their mind. Mm -hmm. When it's really, really overwhelming, that's one of those things where I've heard multiple people say, when stuff like that happens, do not ignore it. Right. Whether that's a vision of something horrible about to happen in one manner or another that, you know, you need to leave this room right now for whatever reason, or something's wrong with a friend. That
1: is one of the hardest lessons to learn as you're walking Mm -hmm. this path. Because as spiritual workers, healers, whatever, Mm -hmm. we always tell you to follow your gut, follow that instinct, the universe is speaking to you, you've got to do it. Now, I had a really big situation with that. I was Mm -hmm. being pulled to message somebody and I was literally being pulled to message this person for two days. Right. And what I allowed to happen, Mm -hmm. because as humans, it can happen, you get scared, you can feel anxiety and you Mm -hmm. let that fear take over my fear was of honestly it was a fear of rejection i was worried that because i didn't quite understand exactly why i wanted to message this person like i I had an idea and i didn't and i just wasn't sure of the timing and universe or a poll just kept saying do it do it do it do it and i was literally about an hour or so too late he Mm -hmm. had shot himself -hmm. And I've had to work through the year, this past year, on trying to understand that you need to forgive yourself because you are human and humans are going to make mistakes. You know, and then it goes into the argument of before we incarnate here, do we have contracts that we choose our paths and, you know, all these different things. And so to try to have that balance between being gentle with yourself, but also, Mm not to miss those signs yeah we're not perfect and it's definitely something that we will continue to learn we will make mistakes and a lot of people will laugh about oh i thought this person was psychic or whatever and the big thing is is the universe doesn't show us anything that we're not supposed to you know we see what the universe wants us to know in that moment right and we're not supposed to know everything we're not supposed to see everything and especially when it is close to us. Mm -hmm. We have to still go out and ask somebody else to read because we're too close to the situation. I don't think that that part is told enough in -hmm. the community because a lot of people are like, well, shouldn't that person have known if they're psychic? No, we don't. It's a very precise thing. It's not just this overall all the time thing.
0: Well, and I wonder if part of that is because when you're close, whether it's you or a close friend or family member, that because there is that personal connection, then you have to try to discern whether you're just having that feeling because you know them so well, or Mm -hmm. because you're just having this feeling as some sort of premonition of sorts or warning or whatnot, where if it's a stranger or an acquaintance and Mm -hmm. you don't have those ties, then That's about the only default you have. Exactly. Um, Exactly. No, that makes sense. And I have heard that. I mean, it's the same thing with they don't like doctors to treat family members because emotions get in the way. You know, um, Mm -hmm. it clouds your judgment. So that could probably be argued for just about any type of practice. If you're too close to it, that can hinder your output. No, I agree. I really do. Yeah. Well, Lady Anne, it has been. (laughs) I don't know how long because I didn't look at the clock before we started, but I do know that it has been an amazing conversation and one that we needed to have a long time ago. So I hope everybody was listening <laughs> and taking notes. I think that we should do this again, have conversations about more specific things in general, like you know maybe dream work or mm-hmm. maybe even breaking down divination in a little more detail. Yeah. But the point here is people that, Dear travelers, Lady Anne has many stories to share and has many gifts. We are talking to lots of amazing people in the community, but also please do not forget that Lady Anne is a member of that community as well and has a lot to offer all of us. She certainly had a lot to offer me, both professionally, obviously, but more importantly, like family. So
1: Um, I'm glad to
0: be a part of all of this. And and one of the things you did say early on Mm -hmm. that when it came to KPNL, you wanted it to be where each podcast felt as if they had a blank canvas to work with. And that is one of the first things that you told me, because before we even started with actual recorded episodes, you allowed me to start writing for the blog. And you told me, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want this to be your canvas. And nobody's (laughs) ever said that to me before. And so that was huge. Because that was a different way of looking at things. Writing stuff for research purposes is one thing, but then seeing it more like an artist is another. And so that's been a wonderful experience. So thank you for that.
1: Oh, Well, thank you. Thank you for tonight. You know, I've been interviewed a couple of times and everything, but I've never really, like I've opened up to you, your family, and mm-hmm. I love you. And it has been amazing to get to know you and, You know, it is an honor to have you on the blog. I absolutely adore what you write. And I want you to continue to feel like it is a blank canvas for you to just (laughs) express yourself as you want. And it's an honor to have you here in the caravan with me. And I love it when you're there, when we can, when we both can be during an interview, it is huge. And for you to actually want to interview me like this, it just means a lot. So I can't thank you enough.
0: Yeah. I'm glad that you were willing to do it and get on the other side of the microphone, so to speak. <laughs> for the, it's become clear that, you know, as we interview these other people that you've got a lot too, that we don't get to cover, but it's still just as important to have out there. So I'm glad that we had this opportunity. Aww, so well, thank you. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Lady Anne, can you please tell our listeners where they can find you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Let's see. So I am under Anne Celine on Facebook, Lady Anne Celine on Instagram. There's a caravan group on Facebook. There's a caravan page on Facebook. And all you got to do is just type in the caravan and the rest will come up. And then you have got KPNL, which KPNL-DB.com, KPNL Radio is also on Facebook. And then no matter what you're wanting to email about, like if you're wanting to email about your own personal experiences or you just have something that you want to share with me, I guess the best place would be the lore at gmail.com for that. Mm-hmm. And then if you're someone that's wanting to have your podcast on KPNL, You want to do the advertising. We've got commercial space available. We've got ad space on the website available. That would Mm -hmm. be more so kpnlradio at gmail.com. Just send me a message on Facebook too. Whatever works.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much again. And we'll be back in a short amount of time with another awesome episode. So
1: (laughs) I can't wait. It's been amazing. Well, thank you so much. And we love you travelers.
0: Yes, we love you. Bye. (laughs) Bye.
3: the ground.